Good evening and welcome to Bleak. On this evening's episode, Laura is going to be covering the Johnson-Bentley murders out of British Columbia, Canada. And I, Amanda, will be covering the murder and or suicide or murder and suicide, you, you can decide for yourself, of Rebecca Zahau out of Coronado, California. Buckle up those seatbelts. Grab your vomit bag, and remember to assist others, or no, put your own mask on before assisting others. Don't... Your own mask? Yeah, you, your own oxygen mask. Oh, okay. <laughs> is this, I was like, is this like a COVID mask? Things are already running off the rails. It's about to get bleak. How's it going, Amanda? How are the kids, the the spouse, the whatever you have? Fish? How are the fish? <laughs> Everybody is uh, alive and well. Excellent. All the fish, too? Um, I mean, possibly. I'm sure that they <laughs> they do pass away from time to time. Yeah, they have shorter lifespans yes. than most of us. I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we are finally got together to yes, do a new episode. I did. was kind of I was close to enlisting <laughs> random people to host the show. No, no, no. But uh no. Laura finally I found a defensive <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was gonna have a couple girls I hadn't seen since high school possibly be co hosts. No. <laughs> no, no. Which would have been fun. I mean, I could have reconnected well, I mean, and yeah. I mean, that but, that would be okay. But you should do a de- different podcast. Different yeah, that's podcast. true. Called Amanda's old friends and company or something like that. Yeah, I'm That'd sure a lot fine. of people would listen to that. <laughs> they might. They might. Come on. Right. Come on now. So, the cases were. Do- so you get a double banger tonight. Woo! Uh, two cases. So that's exciting. Excellent. And uh, we've, we're kind of going completely different than cases we've done in the past. Obviously, every case is its own entity and is unique in its own way, but Laura is covering a case with, it's like a mass murder situation, and... Well, yeah. It was all, well, I don't know, because I have... family murder. Family annihilation. Yes, yes, Um, that's a good way to put it. And the hers takes place in the 1980s, which is not a decade we have ever covered anything in. No. Up to this point, Mm -hmm. and I don't think we've ever gone to Canada, so that's Yeah, we have been to Canada. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay, sorry. I thought I, you meant in our lives. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, on the podcast. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> yes, we've been to Canada one time. But not in the podcast. Yes. That's true. That's and then true. Uh, my case comes out of California, and we have also not covered any California cases. So no. uh, we're kind of... Uh, New territory. Keeping it all over the map here. Yes. All right, so... Uh, with that being said, Laura is going to get us started here, and so she's going to be talking about the, you tell them, Laura, the uh, Johnson-Bentley murders. So it's a family of four, right? So you've got a mom, a dad, Bob and Jackie Johnson. You've got two female kiddos, uh, Janet and Karen, 13, 13 and 11, Johnson. And then you've got Jackie, par- Jackie's parents who meet up for the weekend at this campsite um, to, you know, see the family. And, uh, and that is who did not make it. They did not make it out, unfortunately. They did not make it back. That. So, <clears throat> so this occurred. They left on this vacation August 2nd of 1982. So I was just about three years old, and I, <laughs> I have no memory of this. But I was <laughs> almost conceived in a couple of months after that. <laughs> oh wow, wow! <laughs> so this you were negative years. I was born in '83. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, what occurred here? August second, they leave on this vacation, and um, they go deep into the woods. I'm talking like they're at this. 
Wells Gray uh, Park near Clearwater, which is, it's very desolate. There's a mountain, there's some mountains, there's, um, you know, it's extremely isolated and desolate. And they like to be really isolated. They like to find the most isolated camping area they could. It was just kind of their style. They found it to be thrilling or yes, something? Yes, and they had been there multiple times. This was not their first rodeo at okay. this camp area, this whole big park area. So anyways, they leave on August 2nd, 1982. Their last heard from August 6th, so they must have made a phone call to a relative or something. Their last heard from August 6th. And then August 16th, Bob did not show up for work. And that's when kind of the red flags went up. Right, because we've discussed know. this before. Because yeah. it's, if you don't show up for work, right, then, you know, Crisis. that's not normal for most people. Right, to, to not just show up no, no call, no show. Right. Unless it's somebody's normal MO type of a thing. <laughs> but but they, usually they don't last very long. Right. Yeah. So this person... No, no call, no showed, and he's, like, super dependable, and suddenly he's not there. But not only can they not find him, they cannot find his wife, his children, the his and her Jackie's parents. So they're all missing, right? So, of course, they call um, the, the authorities, and, and um, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, so they have to... They start with just the bare bones who's available, and then uh, and then they ramp up. They get everybody from Vancouver coming in, and then they get the RCMP on board too. So you've got like the Royal Canadian Mounted Police just roaming around the woods, and so anyways, so so they knew where they had gone. They knew they did not know which campsite or anything like that. They knew which general giant area. giant nature preserve area they were in. This is like a giant woods, mountains, like this, like a state park, but in Canada. Right, but bigger than what we have here. Like yeah. huge, huge. So they knew they were in that area, but it's not like they, this is 82. It's not like they could have a cell phone and be like, oh, we're here. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there was no GPSing. No, they were just wherever they were in this park. So of course that's concerning. It's like they could be lost in the woods. They could be... You know, who the heck knows? Injured or... Injured or whatever, yeah. So they go and, they, and they're, they're looking for these people. Finally, with all the searching and everything, they, um, the first thing they find is this burned-out car. And they look inside, like the front seat, and they see um, bones. They just see these bones, and they're thinking they've got one person, of course... They, they look on the other side, they're like, oh, we got two. We got two people. Where was this now? This was, they find this in the woods of the nature preserve. They find oh. this burned out car. And it's right tucked way in. So they're thinking, and it's in a weird area. Like, they're thinking, at first they're thinking, whoever did this got to be local. Like, they knew this weird area where nobody would go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To, and and then they found it, but it took a, quite a while to find the car. It was several days. Okay. So they find this car. It's driven off the side of the road. They, they find these bones. And, of course, they're, they're realizing this is probably the family, right? So if they've already decomposed the bones, or is it no, just because they burned? they burned. They burned. Okay. They, there was an accelerant. Gasoline was used, and the okay. car was burned. Got it. At first they think, too, well, when the medical examiner came and they looked through the car and all the people went through, they found um, that it was all six. So... All six had been burned alive, or, you know, we hope not burned alive, but they were burned in this vehicle. So, of course... Probably not burned alive. I hope they were (laughs) burned alive. No, I don't think they they were, but I don't, you know... They couldn't figure it out. Depends on the scenario. No, I think they kind of do. Well, um, so anyways, (laughs) there's bones in this car. It looks like it's two people. Well, then they were like, oh, it's four people. They open the trunk. It's the girls. And they said it was just two little skulls. Just so sad. The saddest thing in the world. So then at that point, you know it's not one of the family members. 
you know, right. you know, going off the rails. Unless and... it was the no, it couldn't have been. I was gonna say the last family member, but they wouldn't have been able to burn themselves. Right, exactly. That right. so they okay. knew probably wasn't a family member. You know, because that's what you, I was thinking at first. Oh, it's probably sure. someone went off the rails, and you know what I mean. Well, because to, to take over an entire group of people, right, is, six people. But I suppose um, some of them are kids and some of them are elderly, so right. that might play into it. Right, exactly. So they're thinking, okay, this is someone local. Um, so the family, or, or uh, one thing to note is when is that George had a weapon in the trunk of his car. George is the father. George is the or the grandpa. The grandpa. Okay. There's a there was a. a he had a, he had a gun, so the the thing that was missing that was most notable is their truck and camper were missing. Okay. And this was like an old style, like one of, one of those. I'm trying to describe this one of those '80s ones where you got your your big truck and then over it lays the camper. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like real old school camper type deal, and it was like this disgusting green army color. Okay, I mean, it was this bad color. Yeah, okay. You don't have to insult dead people's color choices, Laura. <laughs> well, I'm not trying That's to. kind of rude. But it was a, like, a vomit green color. It was a bad color, okay? But anyways, it must be, must maybe it was popular at the time. I don't know. Must have been, too. Probably. Yeah. Probably popular at the time. Um, so, some things to note. They found... And at first, they weren't exactly sure how they died, but they did, on autopsy, find that uh, one of the skulls did have a bullet in the, the skull. So, you know, they were fairly certain that they had been shot, or some of them had been shot. They weren't 100% sure. So, <clears throat> what, so they're trying to figure this out they've got officers you know going through the woods and in the the town of Clearwater they've got you know they're trying to you know make people aware of what's going on sure. and everybody's freaked out and um this wilderness officer that had been staying like deep in the woods says he saw a camper matching that description earlier like days earlier but, he, but and then they're like, why didn't you say something? You know what I mean? It's because he didn't know about the murders yet. He was deep in the woods. Matching what description? <clears throat> that description. So he found, he saw it, like, parked, and then it moved. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, he saw like, a camper. I'm thinking right. you're saying a camper like a person. Oh, no. That's why I was like, <laughs> matching what description? Yeah. I get no, it. the same okay. camper. He saw it at some point. All in right. His, in his camping, but he wasn't able to right. tell them because he didn't have the cell phone at the time, right. TV, you know. So once he knew about the murders, then he came and said, yeah, I did see this this truck. Um, so they went there thinking, okay, well, maybe we can get some more information. They went to where he saw this truck. It was okay. the camper. Mm -hmm. um, and at the site, they find... Uh, George Bentley's cigarette butts and uh, six twenty-two caliber shells. So they have found the campsite that they used. And that's how they found 22 it. Twenty-two is a very small caliber gun. Yeah, it is. And actually, it's one of the. If you're gonna survive a gunshot wound, mm -hmm. you want to be shot with a twenty-two. Well, good. I'll note that. For <laughs> For something when I that, learned when that happens i'll be like what are you shooting me with oh a 20 a 22 okay that's that that's i'll take that <laughs> like, compared to whatever else you have there yeah <laughs> so at this point they're like we found the campsite but of course the truck and camper are still missing this is like a huge honking thing in my head though i'm thinking if they probably like sunk it or something like that. I mean, there's water everywhere. You know what I mean? Like maybe they sure. sunk it. But then I'm looking at the thing going, that is the most massive. Well, yeah, it's not like they're not going to just it's... roam around in that. No. And no with, and people are going to notice. <laughs> well, yeah. And then they're, and, yeah. So then they're thinking, okay, so what we need to do next, we need to go to the media and report on this tr missing truck and camper. Like to, Canadians, you know. Right. So they use this terrible sketch of of the camper, right? 
screen sketch. And then people are calling from all over saying they're seeing this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, a waitress report, she saw two men, French-Canadian, didn't speak much English. <laughs> with- <laughs> Two men French kissing. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Sorry. I mean, they, I mean, maybe, but that's, that's not what she said. The she 80s. said they were, it's the 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. But they were, they were French Canadian. Okay. They didn't speak much English, apparently. Okay. They were not fluent. So she knew, some, you know, their French accent. They were probably French Canadian. And um, so she saw uh-huh. them at this. Yeah, exactly. J'ai son rendez-vous avec Guy dans mon minute. I don't know what you're saying, kind of a thing, yeah. you know, because she's not from there. Well, anyways, it turned out about 300 people saw this camper, and they're tracking it moving across, moving across, right? And so they're like, oh, they're going back to Quebec. You know what I mean? They're like, we've got to do this. So then, then <laughs> they go as far. And I'm sorry, but this was, but then I had to think back. This is the 1980s. They got a mock camper. Like, they found a camper that looked identical to it. And they put a sign on the side of it saying, if you see this, report it to the authorities. And they put it at various malls throughout Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was like their, one of their strategies. (laughs) (laughs) So that's apparently, you know, it was an 80s thing. Yeah. And I'd be just shocked, like, oh, (laughs) Okay. That's interesting. And so then authorities, of course, during this time, they're believing, okay, we're on our, they're on their way back to Quebec. And um, at that time, they even had this mechanic um, say somewhere, you know, along that route that they were trying to get a paint job for this camper, right? And they had asked him if he could um, get rid of a, a twenty-two. <laughs> And of course, he said, so, and he said, no, no, I can't do that for you, but you should go to Detroit. So, <laughs> he goes, I've been in trouble with the law before. I'm not going to get involved, is what he told these guys. He said, but you should go to Detroit. They'll do that for you. They'll paint your camper. So he gave them <laughs> some advice. They gave him some advice. <laughs> yeah, yep, good, some solid advice. They didn't advice. call the police and say, hey. Well, he did, but not till later. Not till <laughs> They had already left, left yes. the scene. Okay. Yes, exactly. And then he told them where he told them to go, you know. So then they're getting all these authorities in the United States on board. They're like, we've got these these murderers oh, of yeah, sex coming De- to you. Detroit is right across Yeah, the, and you can't just, like, drive over with the Canadian police. Like, yeah. we're here to arrest you, you know. They had to get our police on board. It was this whole big production. So then they go to Detroit. I mean, there's this whole thing, right? Um... So, the bummer of this all is they spent these weeks and weeks, you know, going through this, trying to find this this camper, and they're tracking it everywhere. Well, it turns out, ultimately, they find it at the park (laughs) on top of the the mountain. Oh, my gosh. So they've done aerial searches and everything. So they're tracking it. They're in, they're going to Detroit. The whole so shebang. The, these people the whole time reporting that they are trying to paint the camper like that was all just a red herring. Uh, right. Like I don't know if it's different people, but it was such a bizarre looking camper that it, I don't know how. I mean, it had a boat on top of it too. Well, I mean, it doesn't like it's, like we said beforehand. Like it doesn't make sense that somebody would continue roaming around in such a right you know high profile vehicle at yeah. that time and it sticks out this isn't like yeah. just a uh you know i mean i could see maybe driving around like in their car but the car right. was burned right so you know because if their car is just like a sedan or something like that right but in a huge massive camper like you'd think i mean maybe if they just needed to get out of there and right. then they would ditch it somewhere, somewhere else, else. But. yeah but obviously they didn't go to Detroit and then back to this place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's not what happened. It just had been there the whole time. Oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, wow, that really stinks. And, of course, they were not happy. The lead investigator was not super thrilled about that. Um, so <laughs> now he's back to a local suspect. He's like, it's in a place where it was hidden really well. You had to know the area to put it there. Like, it was just that kind of a the place and then they they did find a bullet hole in the side of the camper 
Now they decide they're going to keep it quiet. They're going to keep it out of the media that they have found the camper. They're going to keep it out of the media okay. because they're going to start knocking on some local doors. Right? Canvassing the neighborhood. Canvassing, but this isn't a neighborhood. These are like weird little shacky cabins. Oh, like sure. yeah. nobody's around, so you go to one shacky cabin, and then like three miles down, you <laughs> go to Nine the other out. shacky well, cabin. Yeah, so they get to one, and there's this this detective knocks on the door, and the, <laughs> the, the guy that comes out, he is described on websites as well as in, in the... Ep- the episode I watched of of um, the case that haunts me, I think it was. Anyways, he's depicted as very creepy. Like this is a super creepy dude. They they open it up, you know, the door, and he's and his wife is standing next to him, and he won't let her speak. You know what I mean? He's like one of those guys. They like try to ask her a question, and he's like, no, <laughs> you know, like this is the deal. Well, anyway, she. And during the conversation, interjects, aren't you going to tell him? You know, and of course, he's like, no, you be quiet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so so what they did was the this officer waited until he went, he left, went back. And um, she says to, um, she says to the officer, um, that this guy that they know named David Shearing mentioned that he found a van in the woods with a bullet hole in it. Okay. So then he's like, okay, David Shearing. So David Shearing was working in the woods. You know, he just works in the woods. He just kind of does odd jobs in the woods, okay? And Okay. <laughs> he does. That's what he does. And he's also got this lengthy... So if you're looking for a job... <laughs> yes. Just roam around in the woods and you might find work. You might find work because he he did. Well, he would like stumble upon like groups of loggers and he'd be like, can I log with you for a little bit? And yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. And then they'd be like, sure, you can log with us for a job. And then, then they'd be like, okay, you can leave now. And then he'd go find another whatever. So anyway, that's how he lived. Um, But he had kind of this weird, it was a very strange kind of a violent kind of weird criminal record um so they were like okay that makes it a little more you know light bulbs going off and the suspect lived about three miles away from the crime scene oh dear um but when they went to go find him he had moved to a new construction site so then they of course found him um the detective approaches him real friendly and he so he was suspected of also this other um, vehicular type of homicide that had occurred in that area, like okay. uh, in the park. Um, and so the detective starts talking about that to kind of throw him off. And, of course, he's like, he, he well, it wasn't this, I don't know, his a little slower maybe something was a little off. Because, of course, he, of course, he writes away, confesses to it. He's like... He's like, it was an accident, though, and it might have been. They knew that this, what had happened, sure. might have been an accident. He said the guy was drunk, he hit him, he died, and he regrets it. You know what I mean? Like, that's... And then he um, starts going into the... Approaches him about the, the Johnson murders, <clears throat> and he implicates himself by saying, I don't like Bear Creek campsite. I would never go there. Well, they... <laughs> They well, they had never released that to the media. The episode of Dumb Criminals. <laughs> exactly. He's Jeez. like, I I don't like Bear Creek campsite. And then of course, and right away he regretted saying that. He's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And that's can of course where can they I were. Take that back. Exactly. I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> then nobody in the media knew. So then he asks for a lawyer, and the guy's like, No, come on here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're caught. Like, but. So then he finally admits. He admits to kind of stumbling, you know, toward the families, watching them at their campsite. You know, they're having s'mores and everything. And one by one, shoots them. Shoots them out of the woods. Jeez. And, yeah. And he, so, he's, of course, the question is why. He goes, I wanted their stuff. And he's like, okay. He's like, I wanted their boat, 
their their boat motor and their tools. And he's like, I sold them or whatever. So that was that was it. So he's sentenced in Canada law. He sentenced to 25 years without parole, which is Canada's toughest sentence that you can get. It's nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, but he's still in prison because he did not. Uh, his appeals aren't working, or his not appeals, but his um, probation. He's not. You know, they're not going for it because he he's killed not six people. He's not eligible. Well, he's eligible now because it's been 25 years. Oh, okay. But they keep denying it. They're okay. denying it. They keep denying it. But later, like, I don't it must have been years later, the head detective came to him and he said, you know, it's always bugged me that you said that, you know, like, was there something else? Did, was there someone else involved? Like, nobody does that. They don't kill six people for these tools and stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, it turns out, so later... That what he really wanted was to be with the girls. He sexually abused the girls, and he kept them alive for nine to ten days. That was the real reason the whole time. Oh. But he didn't admit that till years later. So it was a. It was a sexually motivated crime that he tried to pass off as, as a robbery. As a robbery, as a weird robbery. Yeah. So that is sad. Thankfully, they did catch him. I mean, that's he. Yeah, I mean, they would have caught him eventually. He was not... And he was telling people, too. He's like, I found it, you know? Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a lot of people. I mean, that really shocked me, the amount of people, the family, you know, like... Well, and, like, can you imagine you're just chilling at your campsite and somebody just starts... (laughs) Right. And you're like... Right. But it turns out... He'd killed the four adults right away. Like, bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. I was going to say, he probably had been wa- maybe watched them a little bit. He did, and, yeah. And saw the girls there. Right. Well, that's like that um, that Charlotte Senna in upstate New York. Oh, yeah. That just recently, they got her back. Yeah. And it sounded like that guy wasn't the smartest bulb on the tree because no. he left his fingerprint on the the ransom note. Oh, yeah, yeah. People had he real... not done that? Oh, they might not have ever I don't think him. they would have ever found her. Mm-mm. No. I mean, that's just bonkers. It is. It is. But, yeah, this guy was not a Well, I had never heard scientist. that case at all. Yeah, yeah. So it was a very sad case out of Canada. It was a lot of people. That's, that's what really shocked me was... And then when they said it, he did it for tools and stuff, I was like, oh, my gosh, like... Like, I'm never going camping again. <laughs> I was like, jeez. Like, Yikes. Yeah. Especially one of them had a gun, too. That didn't help, you know. Well, I mean, when that's a gun for protection is only going to really help you if, if you know you have some threat. advanced right. warning of the threat, exactly. Right, and they didn't. All right. Well, you're, that was a pretty quick case. It but, was a pretty quick case. Um, mine's, of course, <laughs> usually not, so... <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so I am covering the murder or suicide of Rebecca Zahau. So this is probably one of the most frustrating stories because just when you think, oh, there's no way she committed suicide, you then you kind of think, well, but maybe she did, and then kind of vice versa. You think, oh, that she had to have been, you know, murdered, and then you, it's just like this back and forth because so much of this case doesn't make a lot of sense. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, a crazy, it's a crazy case. Oh, so anyhow, interesting. Uh, Rebecca Zahau was born March 15th, 1979, same year as you. Okay. Cool. She was 32 years old at the time um, when she died on July 13th, 2011. About 12 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So... Um, she was a Burmese American and she lived in Coronado, California at the Spreckles Mansion with her boyfriend, Jonah Shacknai. Okay. Um, so Rebecca had been married once previously, but she had no children from that marriage. And it sounds like it was a fairly amicable divorce. And then her boyfriend, Jonah and Rebecca had been together for about three years at the time of her death. And um, Rebecca had been working as a ophthalmic tech for like a, 
I don't know, Lens Crafters or one of those places. Oh, yeah. And she quit in 2010 because uh, Jonah Shackney actually was, by some accounts, a billionaire, but it, for oh. sure a multimillionaire. Sure. Um, he was the founder of a pharmaceutical company that was oh. very successful. So I think she really didn't need to work. Right. So at some point, she just decided not to work anymore. Right. Um, and so... Jonah had three children. Okay. He had two previous marriages. She was 32. I believe he was quite a bit older than her. I'm not sure exactly of his age, but definitely older than that. And his first marriage had two children, and um, so those kids were significantly older than his third child. Oh, okay. And there was some custody issues with that first wife, but I think those kids primarily lived with the mother. Okay. And then he had a six-year-old son named Max Shackney, and Max, um, he had, like, joint custody of Max. And oh. so, you know, Max would be at the house, and Rebecca, because uh, Jonah worked a lot, Rebecca would be his primary caregiver Which makes when yeah. um, Max was at their house. Yeah. And so everybody said, you know, Rebecca and Max had a very you know, close relationship and that they got along and there were no yeah. issues there. Um, but he, so he was six years old at that time. Okay. So the Spreckles mansion is like this massive property in Coronado, California. I mean, when your house has a name, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a pretty uh, hoity toity place. Yeah. Like yeah. 27 bedrooms or something wow. like that. And it was all theirs. Mm hmm. Okay. It was, this was actually their summer property. This had oh, this, um, <laughs> happened in the summertime so i believe okay. i know that she there was some connections to arizona so i don't know if they maybe lived in arizona in the winter oh, sure. um sure. and rebecca's family was actually from missouri so okay. and i believe she had grown up in missouri oh sure so um the son max was a product of Jonah Shackney's second marriage to a woman named Dina Shackney. I think she just kept her married name. Right. And uh, so Dina is Max's biological mom, and she's right. in the picture in terms of helping to raise him and whatnot. Right. And, um, sorry, I already talked about him being wealthy. Okay. It's in my notes. Um, so in order to, to really understand this case, you have to go back about two days before Rebecca died. And because there was a pretty big incident that happened. So Rebecca was at the mansion with Max and Rebecca had a much younger sister named Zena who was 13 years old. Okay. And Zena was visiting from out of town. Yeah. And so it was Rebecca and Zena and then Max. And Rebecca was okay. there to, watching Max because uh, Jonah was at work. Right. And Rebecca said that she hadn't seen Max in roughly, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. And so she said she was going to the bathroom and she was just kind of thinking about the fact that she hadn't seen him in a while. Right. Now, granted, a six-year-old, I mean, I can see that, like, especially right. in a huge place like that. Right. He's right. off You're doing like, his uh, own thing. Right. And so she's in the bathroom and she's like, well, I, you know, I decided after I got out of the bathroom that I would go at least lay eyes on him. Right. You know, like, here he is. Okay, make sure he's, he's okay, see if he needs anything, all of that. So she finishes up in the bathroom and she starts walking around the house and she finally, you know, she's not finding him at first and she um, happens upon a pretty horrific scene and she can see that Max had um, fallen face first over the second floor banister. Oh no. And so he's lying there like in the middle of the floor unconscious. Wow. Um, and so Rebecca, of course, was frantic. She had asked her sister Zena to call 911 so oh, yeah. she could go attend oh, to him. Yeah. So she go goes down to the first floor. Now some accounts say he just likely fell like he was running and probably fell over the banister over. and then i've heard other accounts saying there was some kind of motorized scooter at the scene oh. like he was playing with that but right. i i can't you know it's hard to verify which which is correct right it doesn't really matter but um he ended up over the yeah exactly 
Um, so anyhow, paramedics arrived at the scene, and Rebecca had already started CPR on right. Max. He was, um, but he was completely unconscious. Taken to the hospital, and he was put on life support and was in critical condition oh. with spinal and facial injuries. Oh, so it wasn't a good... Um, I don't think they initially knew what the prognosis was going to be exactly right. because they knew Rebecca had started CPR, so the paramedics got Max's heart back beating, right. but they didn't know because Rebecca hadn't seen him in 30 minutes. They don't know when the accident occurred within that happened. time frame, yeah. so it could have been five minutes without oxygen. It could have been 20, a lot longer yeah, than that. Right. So um, I, I think they were pretty careful about saying, like they said, yeah, this is serious. He's in critical condition, but I don't think they said right away, like, oh, he's going to die. Right. Um, they just kind of, they didn't know yet. yeah, they didn't know exactly. So of course, Rebecca was really upset about the whole incident. Yeah, I mean, course. who wouldn't be? Well, yeah. So devastating. the next day on July 12th, Rebecca brings her sister Zena to the airport to, for her to go back to Missouri. Cause that was the plan all along. Right. And, and then, plus she's like with this tragedy and everything, you know, get yeah. her away from this. She's pretty young. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Rebecca picks up Adam Shacknai, which is Jonah's brother from the airport at the same time as she's dropping her sister off. Cause um, Jonah has a brother named Adam who oh, decides to fly away. into town. Okay. He lived in a different state, I believe. Okay. Um, I think Arizona, actually. And he flew into town because of the situation with Max, well, which yeah. completely makes sense. Yes. Um, so Rebecca and Jonah and Adam all had dinner together that evening, and then Jonah returned to the hospital to be at Max's bedside. And then Max's biological mother, Dina, was also back at the hospital to be at the bedside. Right. And then Rebecca and Adam returned to the mansion. Right. Um, so Rebecca is, um, so she goes back to the mansion and Adam is actually staying in the guest house, which is behind the house. Okay. So it's like not attached to the house. It's right. like its own entity. <laughs> right. For and privacy or whatever. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's well, understandable people, also. Yeah. yeah. And, um, sorry, I'm missing page three here. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll have to wing it. <laughs> so, um, Adam comes out of his guest house the next morning. So he, you know, Rebecca did her own thing in the house. He's in the the guest house and he said about 6:40 in the morning he comes out and he's going to go to the main house to get some coffee. Right. Um so he emerges from the guest house, starts walking towards the main house and he sees Rebecca hanging from the balcony. Ooh. Um by her, you know, her neck. Right. And she's naked and she's gagged and she's bound by her wrists and ankles. And she's uh. just hanging there looking she's, not like she's not alive. Right. And so of course he immediately uh runs towards her right to to, to her help her and um so he's calling police. Now I was going to play the 911 call but there's only like a really small part in the beginning and then the audio gets really muffled cuz he's like doing things at the same time. Right. But I will say when he calls 911 he's like there's a girl, there's a girl. And she's oh. like, almost like he's saying, you would think he didn't even know her. Right. Which is bizarre. But at the same he time, yeah. he, you know, he's probably shocked right. at the same time. So, so you're just saying, you're just kind of speaking, your brain's going so fast. Yeah. That you can't. Um, so a lot of people same. thought that the way he acts on the 911 call is suspicious, but really that's the only part of it that I thought was a little strange. So he ends up cutting her down because she's hanging and um, he does try to do CPR with the dispatcher. I'm not understanding the whole suicide angle on this, but okay. Yep. Okay. Well, so she's, she's hanging like, like, no, house, I get like that. yeah. 
But she's bound. She's bound and gagged, yes, by and her, her feet and ankles. Yes. I or her, not her feet and ankles, how her, her this, hands, arms, and How feet. is this possible? We'll just, we're going to get into all okay. that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So, I'm thinking. Of course, I guess at some point Adam texted Jonah t- to say, because he's on the phone with 911, to let him know what's happening. Right. And um, so, of course, the police come, obviously, to investigate what's happening. Right. And initially, they're, you know, police are supposed to treat everything like a homicide until right. you know of that course. it's not a homicide. Yes. But it sounds like... Once they got the information that this accident had happened with Max, they kind of started to shift, like, into thinking, oh, I think this is a suicide. Right. Like, because she was just involved in this horrible incident. Right. So, I don't give it the the right attention. They weren't objective. Type of attention. Right. So, so when they're investigating the scene, um, there was a note written in paint on the door of the bedroom where the balcony was in. And it says, she saved him, can you save her? Written in black paint. That's really, she saved him. Can you save her? Can you save her? Now, this for me is like, doesn't make any bit of sense. Because, okay, if, if there's, I'm assuming whoever is, written this is saying she saved him meaning rebecca saved max right can you save her but at that it sounds but like she, a second or third party is out there right but rebecca didn't save max this. or no. but at that point in time they didn't really know right she may have saved him or whatever then they initially thought that i guess at first they were because they when they at first thought max might survive so then the, uh, Max's mom and everybody was like, well, if he does survive, you know, that's to your credit because you did CPR right. and everything else. But at that point in time, he was still in critical condition. So this, right. that, that message just doesn't make much it, sense. It really doesn't, no. Um, and another thing is she was naked and everybody said she was real modest. Yeah, and people so, don't generally commit suicide like buck naked. Right. And I mean, it's not. And they all her family and stuff are like she would have been horrified to be found by like the paramedics in a right. naked state. Right. Um so there was that, there's the weird paint. Now she was a painter, I guess, like not professionally, but she did she did paint like paintings. Yeah. And another weird aspect of the crime is there was a knife found at the scene and although there was no foreign DNA on the knife, nobody else's DNA except for Adam who was had done some CPR and stuff who, right. whose DNA, but nobody's DNA was like found in the bedroom other than Rebecca's. Okay. But there was this knife and the knife actually had menstrual blood on the handle as if it had been inserted oh. into her. What Was she menstruating at the time? I believe she was, yeah. Okay. So, yes, she was menstruating, but why would she put a knife handle in she her... She wouldn't do that. I mean, you know, if you're about to hurt yourself, you, why, why? So, there's all these weird things. Um... But they they do their investigation and they do the medical examiner declares it a suicide. Oh, okay. And I think a lot of it's based on the circumstances with. I feel like they should have gotten a new like, they should have done it so that it was like its own independent. Yes, they thing. really screwed it up. Case. So they did look into her cell phone records, and so Rebecca was talking on the phone to her sister Mary, um, who's older than her, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., and Mary said she sounded fine other than upset about the situation, as you would expect. But But she wasn't like, I'm going to do this. Right, nothing like... Now, granted, people don't always say that they're going to do that when they're going to do it, but... Another weird thing is Rebecca received a text message from Nina Romano. Now, Nina... So, Dina is Max's mother. Okay. Nina and... Dina has a twin sister named Nina. Oh, Dina and Nina. Okay. So, Nina, not Dina. So, this is the sister... Twin sister of Max's um, Texted 
Rebecca, like 10 or 11 p.m. at night, asking if she could stop by so they could talk about Max's accident. That doesn't make any sense. And Rebecca did not respond. As you can imagine, like, she doesn't even know this person. Right. And right. she's probably already really not in a great place at that point in time. And they don't even know if Max is going to live or die at that point. Right. So she just didn't answer. No. Now like, another this person. Right. Yeah. And then, so her last phone activity was a voicemail that was left on her phone at 12.50 a.m. Apparently the message was from Jonah, but the message was deleted and not recoverable. Oh, no. Police have said that the message was Jonah updating her on Max's worsening condition. However, I tried to find, because Jonah's been interviewed, and I can't find anything anywhere of him of Jonah actually saying that yes this is what I said on the message okay so it's almost like because to me if he called and was like look they're they first of all why doctors are not going to be updating people at one o'clock in the morning of a condition unless he's going to imminently die right which wasn't the case right. because I, I will tell you now Max ended up passing away about three days after Rebecca died okay so oh. It it seems weird that he would just call her at, like, 1 o'clock and be like... This is the update for the... Yeah. Right. Um, but the reason that's so important is because a lot of people are saying, well, if she did commit suicide, then she might have heard this message of, yeah, Max is probably going to pass away, and then, like, that was the catalyst to her suicide. Right. Um, or he could have been saying something like... You didn't watch my son. Now I'm leaving you. That exactly. Type of That's exactly. Get out of the house. Type mm-hmm. of a situation. Of course, and it's like you would think he would just say, "This is what I said," but it's like you don't can't really get that information from him. It's weird. That's very odd. Um, so Rebecca's family are they're basically like there is no way right. she committed suicide. Now, granted, families often do not want to it, right admit that. Yep. People that think she killed herself explain the menstrual blood and the being naked as a cultural thing and a way of, like, her humiliating herself because she was felt so guilty. Yeah, well, did she really think that deeply into it? Like, this is my culture. I'm just telling you that my... that's what people say. Okay, okay, okay. And, well, I mean, that's an interesting theory anyway. But a lot of people think she was murdered. Now, oh, yeah, I, they, I feel that way at this point. Um, so the family... You know, they were kind of suspicious of Adam Shackney, who had found her, because they had been at the house alone together. So now there's some really interesting things about Adam Shackney that end up coming out. Oh, sure. So in 2018, so seven years after the murder, when Rebecca's family realized, like, no one's going to be criminally charged at this point, so they filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Adam Shackney to hold okay. him legally responsible for her death. So this would be a legal, you know, they would be rewarded damages. Right. The, it's a civil case. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. Um, the jury just has to be a majority. It doesn't have to be unanimous. Right. And they're awarded some kind of monetary amount if the jury decides in favor of the family. Right. Um, so this Dr. Wecht, and I've heard of him, he's like a pretty famous pathologist, yes. was hired by Rebecca's family to kind of give a fresh look at the case. Right. And so there there were fractures in Rebecca's throat, which she was hanging right. by her throat. So you would expect that. But this doctor thought those fractures were more consistent with manual strangulation. Okay. Which, yeah. Well, of course, the other doctor was saying, no, these were caused by the hanging. Oh. Um, the fact that her hands and feet were bound, apparently they did reenact, and technically it's possible that she could have bound her own hands and feet and done all and of that. And gotten over that. And, yeah, apparently. Oh. But it, it's like, it would be difficult. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's not likely. I mean, come on. 
So the family, of course, believes that knife being found that had been inserted into her vagina is definitely indicative of a sexual assault. Right. And that message being painted on the door, they said they don't believe that was her handwriting. Now, of course, experts are like, when something is written in paint, it's really difficult to tell who wrote it. Right. So there's not a lot to say there. Um, And then, of course, the fact that she was nude. Right. So Adam... Oh, there's my page three. (laughs) So Adam... Okay, so another thing I didn't mention before. So the knots that were tied on her wrists and ankles were extremely complicated knots. Like something that you would have to have like a skill. How can you complete that though? Do you know what I mean? Well, like, they when you when don't they, have one I don't know. They they yeah. did there's a whole a lot of shows have covered this case. Yes. And there's one on ID that um they do like a whole reenactment of everything to try and it's those two guys that do the show. Remember they did the one of OJ is OJ innocent. Oh, yeah, yes. They did this case okay. as well. Yeah. And so they said, yeah, like technically they were able to, they found a girl that was her size and right. they had her do the whole thing. But these knots were so complex that they said, you know, you would have expected to see like a, a search for a YouTube on how to tie a certain knot or a Google right. search. And there was none was of she that. like a professional sailor or something? She wasn't, but you know who was a tugboat captain? Adam Shacknai. Adam Shacknai. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think Adam was mad about the what happened. And they were nautical knots. Yep, that's what yep. they were. Cons- so she wouldn't have just known how to do nautical knots on her own. She wasn't like an experienced boat person. Right yeah. now. Another sailor. So that was pretty incriminating against Adam. And then the other thing was a couple of hours before he found Rebecca, um, there were searches on his computer, his his laptop that he had brought with him, for Asian bondage porn. Oh. And Rebecca was Asian. Yeah. So he had been watching that, like, a few hours before she was found. Yeah, this is not... So, I mean, I think we could. <laughs> and he said he was just, he was embarrassed and that it, like, uh, people that don't think he did it, because his brother is, his brother Jonah doesn't believe that he did no. it. And of actually, course not, it's his brother. But get this, Dina Shacknai, yeah. Max's mom, doesn't think Adam did it either, but she thinks that... Max was murdered and Rebecca were murdered. Was murdered. Oh, they were both murdered by. Well, and it could. I was thinking in the back of my head, it could have been some kind of maintenance worker at the house. There could be some kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure they have maids. I'm sure they've got lawn people and all the maintenance people. I mean, maybe, but why kill a little kid like that? Maybe it is sick person you know what i mean like think about that though that could be did they ever talk about that like i'm sure there had to be maybe 10 or so people in charge of that place yeah i guess that never really came up that i've seen but i mean it'd be interesting to know who those people were and what their backgrounds were like yeah that's a good point i mean it's probably been explored i just i'm not aware of it sure um so Rebecca's family won a civil judgment for $5 million. The wow. jury found in favor of the family a 9-3 to three for that civil case. Wow. And the house was heavily insured. Right. So it ended up, although they won the civil case, Adam Shacknai, the insurance company, ended up paying out a settlement. Oh, sure. And... Because the family said all along, like, they didn't really want the money that they wanted her name cleared from right. as to having committed suicide. Right. And so the family ended up getting, like, $600,000 from an insurance payout through okay. the house Which insurance. Yeah. And so Adam Shacknai, you know, he he's the brother of Jonah, who Jonah believes he's innocent, so money is of no... 
thing to them. I mean, he's right. a billionaire. Right. So even if they would have gotten a $5 million loss or settlement, I'm sure Jonah would have just paid it for him. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. he doesn't believe he did it. So right. it really, other than, like, his reputation, of course. Right. And, of course, and, and if he didn't do it, that is really horrible. That is. You know? I mean, it is. It's very sad, but, you know, I, if his brother was actually at the hospital and, and they can prove that and know he was there, which they must. Yeah, they Jonah, Jonah and Dina were both at the hospital. Right. All so night. So who else would there be? It would either be him or some, like, rogue maintenance Or a suicide. Person. Or a suicide. Yeah. But I just know it, it's too much. It's um, too much. You're not... That's so complicated. When you're in that kind of state of mind, how could you even do all those things? I mean, I don't know. It's just Yeah, I mean, I guess... Um, I can't say for sure. Obviously, I wasn't there, but... The only thing I think is weird is, like, let's say Adam Shacknai was attracted to Rebecca and wanted to have sex with her, and she refuted his advances well on that day though uh, right with what's going on but his dna other than like his dna was not found anywhere in that bedroom that she would have gone into you know what i mean the balcony yeah. was off of the bedroom she had gone through that because her the ligature was tied to a piece of furniture in that bedroom okay to like anchor it okay and then it was like a bedpost right and then um so there was no indication that anyone else had been in that room other than her in terms of DNA. Right. But so, if he, if they were wore gloves or if they... Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Then it would have like, had to have been pretty meticulously planned out, right. I feel. Right. Um, she had no, like, um, you know, semen or body fluids that they found. Right. Condom. I mean, you know... Yeah, there, there are a lot of possibilities. But um, so this is... The the crazy part is is this has been ruled a suicide and the the family just is like we just want it to be undetermined right even if you don't want to say it's a murder right let's get it changed to undetermined because if it's undetermined it can still be investigated, investigated. right but if it's closed as a suicide then it can't even be investigated right. and that's where it stands at this point in time right they won't change it. Right. It's very hard to get them to change it. A, a medical examiner's ruling, and that's what's going on with the Ellen Greenberg case. Oh, you should yeah. look into that one, because I think I'm I might do that one next. But she clearly didn't commit suicide. Like, that, no. the Ellen Greenberg case, she for me, not. is, like, even more apparent that she didn't commit suicide than right. Rebecca Zahau. No, there's, there's multiple cases like that, actually. I mean, she had stab wounds in the back of her neck right. and head right well like, yeah you can't i mean you can technically but i mean it's again technically i think that that they are ruling suicide too quickly because this keeps happening and a lot of times it's if it's not a suicide it's going to implicate a prominent person right like in mm -hmm. ellen greenberg's fiance who likely if she was murdered a lot of people think it was him his uncle was a really prominent judge in philadelphia right so and he called his uncle before he called the police right and then in rebecca's a house case you've got these you know jonah shackney is a billionaire right and his brother you know i think was doing fine for himself too so you've got yeah. these extremely wealthy people that are known to the community so i feel like they're more quick to, we don't want to leave this hanging right? because we, just, we don't want to have issues with, you know, these, these prominent people. people. Right. But yeah, I, you know, just when I think, I think the thing that, that, that note in the paint yes. is really baffling to me because, okay, if she did commit suicide, I feel like, and she, she would say something like, I couldn't save him. Right. Right. Can you save me? I tried to but save But the fact that, that it says you try to save she like she saved him, can you save her is like it's somebody else. Right. That's but then I, if I it was like. someone else, why would they want to implicate themselves if they're trying right. to stage it as a suicide? Right. So like that doesn't make like no. none of it makes it any kind of sense. None of it does. No. And that and then it's like 
and the, the whole naked thing, okay? You can say, like, yeah, maybe she was trying to humiliate herself because she felt she was just so devastated and was punishing herself because she was in this... I could, I mean, maybe she was Psychotic. in... Psychotic. Yeah, but, you like, know, a state of mind right. where she was so upset with herself. Right. You know, like, maybe she didn't want... Like, she, deep down, she knew she didn't watch him as close as she should have been. Right. Well, You yeah, know, like, yeah. she, maybe she was watching guilt, a but... TV show in, or playing right. on her phone, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. like... She just had this internal guilt that she knew she would never be able to get over. Right. At least she felt that way at the time. Someone could have made her do it, too. Here's my another thought I actually had, is what if she enlisted Adam Shackney's help? Right. In And said, hey, look, I'm doing this either way. Right. And... Wouldn't he have come out with that by you now, You would though? think, but... I'm saying maybe he made her do it. He said... You know, he was standing in there, and he's like, this is what you're going to do. But then that's still I'm a murder. Do... Well, right. That's yeah. what I mean. It's a, just a different type of murder. You know? But I think even, like, he may, she maybe was, like, telling him, like, hey, I, I can't go right. on like this. And she maybe said, like... He might have made her feel really bad, too. Like, you can know? you help me do this? And, you know, she maybe had no intention of... Because that's the thing. Everybody said, you know, if she kill, killed herself, she wouldn't want to have someone else implicated in in her death. No. She, you know, like, she wouldn't want to, like, ruin someone else's life. Right. So that's why that note becomes so important, I think, because she wouldn't have written a note like that if she's trying to make it look like a suicide. Right, exactly. Because it makes it look like it could be not a suicide. Right. And then the whole, like, the naked thing and the knife. Like, yeah. she would have had to have known that people are not going to necessarily... Or maybe she didn't think it through, though. You right. know what I mean? Like she was so out of it. But, I don't know, the whole thing seems very... It's a very strange story. Yes. And, like, I guess... The police were saying, you know, the police that are trying to, you know, defend their suicide ruling or, like, agreeing with the medical examiner, I guess they found, like, journals where she said that she was, like, felt like she had lost her identity because she wasn't working anymore and she was just staying home all day, you know, and she just kind of felt like she didn't have much of a purpose. Right. And, uh, you know, her family denies she was depressed, but I guess the, these journal entries kind of make it seem like maybe she was. A little and, bit, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's a really... But to jump to that dramatic of a suicide is a It's bit. very odd. Yeah. And it, it's... like I, like, when they did the reenactment, even though it's like, okay, if she knew how to tie nautical knots, right. she might have been able to do that. Right. But, like... Why would she know how to tie nautical knots? Right. She's not a sailor that I'm aware of. No. She's not a, ca I mean. a boat captain. <laughs> right. Like, there's... I mean, did they ever explain that? Like, they couldn't really explain it, other than maybe she just happened to know this for some reason. Right. Like, some... I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. And then they were saying the whole reason somebody would bind and gag themselves is so that they didn't stop themselves at the last minute. Oh, yeah, but the naked part with the binding and the gagging and the whole menstrual blood. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gets a little out there. That's, yeah. you know. So that's exactly how it is for me, is like the minute I'm like, I'm comfortable saying it was probably a suicide, then I'm like, but wait. Yeah. but There's all these other weird things right. where you just can't say that. Right. So, anyhow, I thought it was a a case worth... And if he had helped her, though, you'd think he would have just come out. Well, maybe not. Cause no, because that would... Big trouble. Right, that would implicate him. Right. He See, that, and that's almost trouble. what I... At the end of it, when I first started looking into it, that's almost where I finally settled on, is, like, I think Adam might have helped her. Right. But she wanted him to. Right. Or, or she enlisted or his he, help. he made her feel so bad. Like was screaming at her for yeah. not watching him. And, and maybe he called, too, her husband called, too, and said something really offensive. And then he was, and then he called him, and they were all... 
Yeah, like he's leaving. Yeah, Joan is leaving this, uh, this bad, like mean message. Right. And then you've got the sister of the mom calling, saying, Randomly. "I want to come over yeah. and talk about this." And, and maybe then, she did come over. I, I don't. Th I think they proved that she, she didn't. didn't. Okay. But even so, can you imagine? Like you don't even know this person. Right. And, and like, like, and this is like pressure. the day after the accident. You know, it's not like it's... I could see maybe if it had been several months or something, right. and then she's like, hey, you know, would you ever be willing to talk to me about, like, how things went down that day or whatever? Right. But nobody, everyone even to this day, nobody thinks Rebecca was involved in any foul play in terms no. of the incident with Max. No, that it just happened. It was just a, you know, horrible... Even uh, Dina Shackney, Max's mother, does not think blame Rebecca her. or blame her exactly. Right. And and neither does Jonah. But right. Jonah doesn't think that his brother murdered her either. Right. So, so he thinks he, she committed suicide or mm -hmm. he doesn't know? He thinks she committed suicide. That's weird that he can see her doing that. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It's a weird case. It's a very weird case. So uh, anyway, yeah. we are going to... Um, let you guys go here but thanks for listening <laughs> thanks again and have a wonderful week day or whatever day you're you're on at the moment you're listening to this podcast exactly because you never know people yes have a great and, day and tell evening. your family and friends so that Night. we can be professional podcasters please. excellent that would be fantastic <laughs> all right <laughs> take care thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.